Hello and welcome to WNHH Radio's Mayor Monday. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. Well, no one makes New Haven tick more than Mayor Tony Harp. She's here in the WNH studio for her weekly Monday, Mayor Monday checkup on what she and we are up to in the Elm City. Welcome, Mayor Harp. So great to see you. It's good to see you too, Paul. Um, do I have your mic up enough? I hope so. Yeah. Okay. Well, can you hear yourself? Yeah. I can, not really. I, I can hear myself. <laughs> okay. And then um, thanks to Gateway Community College and Bertrand Moses PC for providing support for today's program. Hey, if you have a question for the mayor, feel free to pop it to us via Facebook Live. Here's what you do. You go to the New Haven Independent Facebook page, and you'll see the video right there. Just put your question right there. And I imagine you get a lot of questions these days, Mayor Harp. So are you able to go in town anywhere this weekend without someone saying, Hey, Mayor Harp, why do you want to raise my taxes 11%? (laughs) Uh, no, actually, no one mentioned it. <laughs> Although I did go to to church on Sunday, and the minister mentioned that maybe I I I would be getting a lot of people asking the question that I needed prayer. So, <laughs> I'm always grateful for prayer, by the way. All right. So on um on Friday, you revealed your new proposed budget for the fiscal year. Right. The budget includes, and this is the part everyone's going to focus on. Although I, am, I do have a bunch of questions that don't have to do with this, raising the mill rate 11 percent from 38.68 to 42.88 mills. And I guess it had gone down after the re- reassessment. Right. So it might not have full be 11%, but it's a hefty. Oh, and Maria Miranda Rivera says, good morning, Mayor. Good morning, Maria Miranda Rivera. Thanks good morning. So why do you want to raise taxes 11% or not want to? Why do you feel the city needs to? Well, if we don't raise taxes, then we're going to have to to reduce services even, even more. And so um, we were... We were depending upon the state giving us what we considered to be um, a flat funding at least. And when the budget came out, we noticed that we got this past year, this past year, this, yeah, in October, which was really late for us by a a little over about $4.1 million. We had been hit the previous year by about $4 million. And we had hit, been hit the previous year. Every for the past three years, the city of New Haven has gotten a bigger hit in terms of reductions than any other city in the state of Connecticut. And we're the second largest city, but we've gotten the biggest, the biggest hit. Um, I, Hartford didn't get a big hit. So you're saying that the state, like for instance, one thing you talk about a lot in your legislative agenda, we're going to talk about is that uh, pilot, payment lieu of taxes, reimbursing us for right. taxes we can't charge under state exemptions for nonprofit property. We're supposed to, by law, get 70% reimbursed. It's more like 40. So you're arguing that the state hit us, and also we're getting less permit revenue than last year for building permits, because last year was a big year. Right, right. And that in order not to just cut a lot of services more than we've cut already, you need to raise the taxes 11%. Uh, that's exactly it. And so what, what we have... Um looked at was we normally look last year we looked at the governor's first proposed budget as the baseline most cities do and we used uh, but we 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 were going to be conservative we used half of what we thought the governor would propose that turned out not being conservative enough because the state had a fiscal crisis and for some reason the state still said they're going to bail out hartford for 40 million dollars because otherwise they'd go bankrupt we're not going bankrupt we're not going so bankrupt. We're not, so we got and cut. And so we got cut by $4 million. <laughs> so now here's the, I want to ask you, that was a good question. So on the one hand, you can argue we're getting punished 
from being more fiscally responsible. We've cut government a lot more than Hartford. Our mill rate is lower than Hartford. Right. So therefore, they get $40 million and we have to raise taxes. Or maybe you're arguing we have to raise taxes or else make very painful cuts. Could one argue that that's the way we want it? That rating agencies prefer that you don't go bankrupt? That it's good to have a lower real rate to start with? We're still going to have a lower mill rate? That it's good not to be as dependent on Hartford to be afloat? Well, you know, I think that one of the things that we've decided as a city is that we want to be uh, respo- fiscally responsible and uh, as conservative as, as possible because, you know, we are responsible, we're stewards of the people's money. And, and in all honesty, we don't want people to have to pay more than they absolutely have to pay. But then here's my, here's where I get a little bit in, a, in kind of a, a different place that the state of Connecticut knew when it was organized that they were going to have in the constitution of the state of Connecticut that Yale University would be tax exempt. I think there are three others that are Connecticut uh, College, I believe. Trinity and, uh, and Con College. Oh, you said Con College. Oh, uh, Wesleyan. So those four are in the state constitution. And, you know, and we love it when Yale grows. And what should be happening, and this is where uh, I, I run into some real difficulty with the state. We have a, a payment in lieu of taxes statute. And for the past three years, they haven't been using it to distribute the resources. They've just been giving us a number. There's no way that we would get a $4 million uh, reduction if they were using the um, they were using the formula. They weren't using the so formula. So one of our commenters who um, has sort of a middle position on this, Rob N., he says, on the one hand, you're just not going to win a lawsuit with Yale because of the Constitution. And we're not going to sue Yale because Yale's the wrong, pers- the wrong person. They're, they're considered persons for it legally. I, we wouldn't sue them. And, um, uh, but, but on the other hand, he's arguing that you also can't raise taxes. Now he lives in East Rock. He feels like after a certain point, raising taxes doesn't get you more revenue because people will leave. That's a fungible argument. You can't prove it. Yeah. And that he feels that, that like Horton versus Mescal on education, uh, on town funding, a past lawsuit that was won, that cities need to have a class action lawsuit against the state to fully fund pilot. Well, he must be reading my mind. <laughs> <laughs> because I agree with him. We would not go after Yale. Yale's not the culprit here. The culprit really is the state and them not uh, sticking to and funding their um, their their payment in lieu of taxes, our educational cost sharing grant, and the other grants that we get that are based upon formulas. You know, I, I would even say, look, if you are having fiscal difficulties, fine, make the reductions, but do it according to the formulas. They just give us a number. That is not so. What are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to file a suit like Robin suggests? I'm, we're looking at it. We've. Uh, are you really looking at it? We really are. And uh, we really are. Has have uh, Bridgeport and Hartford? Well, Hartford's getting a handout, so Hartford I can't imagine they're going to sue the state. Interested? You know, they manage uh, without having to do that. Bridgeport's in it. You know, the interesting thing is Bridgeport's in a, a slightly different position that we're in. They get state dollars, and I don't think that they've been. For some reason, there is this perception in Hartford because we've been able to balance our budgets because um, you know we've been responsible over the years. It's not just my administration; the De Stefano administration was responsible. As a matter of fact, we cut our um, our civil service positions significantly 
over the past 10 years. Most of that was done in the previous administration so that if you look at departments like parks and public works, they're down from 2011 by almost 50% in every one of those departments. So the idea that we could cut, and that's where most of your dollars are mostly in your employees, that we could actually cut and get to a place that that would make people um, comfortable would mean that we wouldn't be able to provide the services. And I don't know if you remember during the Daniels administration when they cut um, they cut the parks department so badly that they couldn't mow the lawns and that the weeds were growing up. They got to be, you know, like... I seem uh, to remember you bringing that up on the Board of Alders. It's, you know, I mean, it's, it demonstrates what happens when you can't take care of your city. And so my feeling has been that since the cuts have already, and they're deep cuts, we can't, I don't believe we can afford to cut public safety. We've already done a, a phenomenal job at bringing crime down and uh you know is there still crime absolutely but once you start cutting your police and your fire guess what's going to happen you're going to have uh worse things to have to contend with and so um so i think that we absolutely have to figure out well what else can we do so is bridgeport not joining you in this suit too uh bridgeport we haven't had the conversation with bridgeport around that i've 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 discussed it very briefly with with Mayor Ganim and, and with uh, uh, Hartford Mayor. Hartford Ronan. is not as interested because, as you point out, they got $40 million. Um, How about Ganim? Well, I, I think what I was trying to say before I sort of went off the deep end there, that uh, they, are, they are structured a little bit differently. They don't have as much not-for-profit um, mm. um, property as we do. So we might go it alone. And, you know, we may be able to find some other small, like New London might be a good a What about good West Haven? West Haven, people don't realize how much of their property is tax exempt because Yale has expanded there. And, and perhaps West Haven, you know, I, I would love to have a conversation w- with them. Sometime this week, we're going to meet with uh, the attorneys that have been taking a look at this and um, make a decision about whether or Are these we'll outside attorneys or in-house? Um, both. Oh, yeah? So you have, you've talked outside counsel? Yes. Steve Mendick? No. I'm just guessing here. Look, fishing <laughs> for a story. Uh, no, I, I honestly don't know who they are, but evidently they, um, they're top-notch. And uh, Wesley Horton's still around? He did Horton Mescal. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know. I don't... I, you know, I've talked to my corp counsel. He, he assures me that they're excellent, that they really know what they're doing in these terms, and, and I don't know. I well, I assure you that you're listening to Mayor Monday at WNHHFM, 103.5 FM, live streamed at newhavenpen.org, and you're finishing a thought. I was just going to say, I feel very strongly that on behalf of the, the property taxpayers in New Haven, that we have got to go forward with this, and we've got to to help the legislature understand that we're not like, you know, Sprague, Connecticut. We're not like uh, Milford, Connecticut. Even we are in a very different place. You know, our our um, household income is around thirty seven thousand dollars per year, our average household income whereas and we're the lowest in our entire region and uh, we're in a a very very different place and so um we're gonna have to fight this time Mm -hmm. all right so we've got the big picture now we've we've dealt with the (laughs) the pitchfork question why are you raising taxes um uh but there are a lot of we got to get in the weeds a little 
Because whenever you propose a budget, one thing you said last week you announced is this is just the opening shot. You're going to be yep. negotiating this with the Board of Alders. Mm-hmm. And as we know, I think it's fair to say that in the end, I don't think it's going to be 11, um, mil, 11% increase because the Board of Alders always get in on it. Their constituents tell them we really don't want to raise taxes and they always shave a few, they find ways to shave a few off. I have a guess of where 50000 is going to come, but we'll see. That doesn't add up to much. But uh, so let me ask you about some specifics here. The rainy day fund, you spent 10, two years putting a total of 2.5 million back in because we had run out when you came in, we no longer had a rainy day fund. That's for emergencies. Um, I I forget percent. I thought that ratings agencies like you'd have 5% of your budget in the rainy day fund. We obviously were nowhere there, but you were gradually investing in it. Now you've taken a million out. Does that, is that because it's a rainy day and is on our, and our rating agency is going to say this makes us worried about New Haven and charge us more for bonding? Uh, I don't think that this will be the thing that, that makes them uh, say that. Um, I, I do think it's important for us to have a rainy day fund, and I, and I do think that, uh, that we've, we were, we've been looking for money everywhere so that we could try to keep the taxes that we raise low. Look, when my team came to me, they, they wanted to go up to um, around 47, and so we got it. <laughs> I said, you got to be kidding me. Nobody's going to go for that. <laughs> so another assumption is even to stay at 42.88 mils, you're counting on $6 million from what you call partners, right. like Yale, Yale, Haven. Have you had discussions with them? Is that based on believing that they're actually going to do it? Uh, it's our sense. You know, one of the things, especially for Yale, we haven't gotten a payment yet uh, for, nor do we have it um I think in our um, calculation for the new colleges. And oh. so we think that there's room to have conversations there. Um, I still haven't gotten in them. They look beautiful from the outside. Are they amazing? I haven't been inside. I've just uh, walked around. I, so I brought, th- what, they should take you and me through because I've been really <laughs> wanting to see what those, co- I hear they're really nice. I was in one big room when they did the ribbon cutting, but I haven't been through the whole thing, but they look gorgeous. Yeah. Um, now here it doesn't feel like a fortress that there's even this illusion of openness there. The when especially at the um, oh gee, prospect I, side. Yeah, it's really. I think it's it's really it's really uh-huh. quite beautiful. And um, so please wangle me a tour. <laughs> 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 even though I went there forever ago, I still can't just walk in. What, um, <laughs> so you think that's an option? Have you talked about it? Now I did spy Bruce Alexander, the vice president of Yale, walking up to your office last week as you were finalizing the budget. And something in my gut told me you were talking to him about that. No, actually, I wasn't. I'd, I'd mentioned, um, well, he knows that we have um, an issue, and he's waiting for the, for the call. Mm-hmm. And um, I, so I briefly said, you know, we're going to have to talk about this. He says, yes, I know we are. Um, and then uh, I also mentioned it to, to um, President Salovey. I, did ha- I have had a conversation with um, uh, Marna Borgstrom over the, the at the CEO. hospital. You know, is she retiring or did I get that wrong? I don't know. You you are always ahead of the game. No, 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 no. I, sometimes <laughs> I'm, I'm old enough now that I get confused what I read and what I dreamed or something. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I haven't heard that, but it's it's quite possible. I'm always And then what did she time. say? Um, you know, they would rather help us with um, our medical, our medical costs. You know, we spend over $123 million on uh, medical is that through our self-insurance or other things? Uh, through self-insurance. It just costs us that, you know, for all of the people that we cover through our self-insurance. But we're still going to ask them for money. Um, mm-hmm. we, we did have a conversation 
with a lot of our friends who are on their board to see if they could help us with that. I mean, probably shouldn't tell you that. Okay, don't tell me that. But if you want to tell me more, it'll just between us and the listeners. <laughs> okay. Like what dates, who said what, and what their name was, and what you were eating at the time with them. <laughs> what you were plying them with to soften them up. And then, uh, now, how much does Yale give us? How much does Yale New Haven give us now? Because we do get payments from Okay, them. you know, I'm going to give you approximations. Um, Yale gives us a little over nearly $6 million in payment of Lou and uh, in lieu of taxes, and they give us another um, two million dollars for fire service. Mm-hmm. Um, Yale uh, New Haven Hospital gives us about two point three million dollars for both sides. For both sides, okay. Yeah. And so you're hoping. So now you you weren't saying they're going to make up the whole six million, although maybe as a negotiating position you are. You also said that includes that six million. I think also includes labor savings. Labor savings. Now, when I read that, I'm skeptical as a reporter why a union would agree to that. Uh, because you not know, on merits, on practicality. On practicality, one of the things that I I said at the press conference is that if we can't get some sort of concessions from all of the unions, that uh, we'll have to consider layoffs. How we, many do you think? Um, you know, we haven't really figured it out yet. It depends. This is all sort of like uh, moving. So you know, we're yeah. hoping that we want to get about three million dollars of the at, six million from concessions. Six, yeah, and uh, and maybe something in return. I don't know. Yeah, and one of the things that we are, are looking at is, uh, uh, especially for our surf. Um, what is that? Uh, our CERF, C- right? Yeah, CERF, City Employees Retirement Fund. <laughs> uh, we are looking at pension obligation bonds, um, and if we can if we can get the pension funded up to eighty five percent, we think that they ought to think about how they might. Mm-hmm. Uh, want to work with us on this budget all right um t- tom writes in good morning mayor um we already asked about any gay fund oh he noticed that there's an 8.4 percent or seventy four thousand dollar cut from the registrar of voters will these cuts result in lower voter turnout these proposed cuts are some of the largest proportional departmental cuts in the budget so what's going on at the registrar of voters that you know? what we did we asked everyone um every department to give us five ten and fifteen percent cuts that um, would not, um, that would, and, and to try to indicate with those cuts the impact of the services that they provide. We believe that they can still provide um, the services to the people of New Haven um, with those cuts. Well, what is being cut there? You know, I, I will have to get back to you on okay. that. Okay, I didn't ask you to come yeah. here with getting every line. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he also said, he said a police and, and local 3144 and the attorney's unit still working without contracts. If so, how, how, does this hurt the tax situation, and can this be resolved ASAP? We're working on it. Um, I haven't really spoken to Tom McCarthy, uh, but I know that he's in the process of negotiating. That's your labor relations director. Right, negotiating with um, with the police, and that uh, he is also um, restarted, I, I, you know, once he came here, negotiations with Local 3144. So uh, I believe so. Now, we put money in the budget for for raises. There's money in the budget for that so that um, we haven't, um, we know that we will have to do something. So we've talked about this before. It's such an unusual position to be in as management where because of good rules, you have to put in a budget, you're expecting to give a raise and a contract you're negotiating, but you're showing your hand. Yes. (laughs) 
we, but we have to do it. That's <laughs> unfortunately. Okay. No one made you be government. <laughs> and, you know, and the other thing is, um, you know, they don't have to take all of that if they don't like some of the other things we're doing in the budget. Gotcha. Okay. We got Bob. Bob, you're on the air with Mayor Harper. It's so great to hear you back. Yes, Paul. How are you today? Hello, Mayor. How are you? Hey, Bob. How are you? Okay. I guess I could be better. I'm surprised and I'm going to rehash a little bit probably about what you talked about at the beginning of the show about the uh, the budget and the tax increase. Bob, we're going to go with questions we haven't talked about, just so you know. Okay. <laughs> but anyhow, I have some what-if questions. What if the board um, of Alders, the full board let's talk about, um, doesn't pass your budget increase? What happens at that point? Well, you know, honestly, we'll have to see what they do. And, you know, a couple of things that uh, could happen in the meantime is that they could get some kind of a direct um, indication from the state of Connecticut that they are coming up with more money than is in the governor's budget, and I wouldn't expect them to pass my tax increase. If they can come up with better ideas of um, how to provide the services that are provided in my budget and can still cut, uh, then that's fine. We'll work together on that. You know, this we often work with them, and as we get more and more information and can make uh, better decisions as we sort of move through the um, overall legislative um, time, because that's where we could possibly get more money, then, um, you know, my expectation is that this is collaborative and that we work together and that as they know more and can make uh, better decisions uh, based upon what they know and where resources might exist that we didn't have any idea would exist, then, you know, I would hope that uh, we could work together on that. And, and just in previous years, I've observed as a reporter since, you know, for, I've seen this for 40 years, the mayor proposes the budget, the alders go over it line by line, and they make changes. Mm -hmm. Then the alders pass their version and the mayor decides whether to veto or assign it, veto it, or veto parts. Like last year, Alders made some changes. The mayor agreed with all of them except for one set of non-monetary decisions. She vetoed it, and they overrode her veto. So it is an interesting process. Yeah, so, you know, the, the people's uh, uh, house, uh, the, 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 when you think of the three branches of government, the legislative branch, they represent the people, they get to decide on whether or not to raise taxes. It's their decision. It's my proposal. Bob, do you have other questions? I, I have another question regarding Shoot. that. Um, and I've heard a rumor going around. Is there a possibility, Mayor, that you would tax uh, workers that come into the city? Oh, a commuter tax. I, I don't have the well, authority like a, to do that. Either a commuter or people that actually work here, like the city of New York has, don't they have a city yep, tax? Yeah, that's a commuter tax. Yes, I don't have the authority to do that. That would have to happen at the state level. Although your members of the administration have supported it and talked about it before a state commission on fiscal responsibility that was giving advice to the state, and we're going to get to that later in the show. Bob, thanks for the excellent questions, as oh, always, well, man. I wanted to talk one more question about the education budget. Oh, yeah. That Is was... there still going to be layoffs, mayor, and school closings as the result of the education? This $10 million I'm hearing shortfall in the education budget. And thank you for that question, Bob. The Board of Education okay. has asked for a $10 million increase from the city that they say would hold costs constant, would hold services constant 
The mayor's budget recommends giving them $5 million of that $10 million question. So in response to Bob's question, given that you're starting out by proposing giving them $5 million less than what they say need, just they need just to cover what they're doing now with increased costs for that, what are you seeing cut? Are we going to close schools? Are we going to lay off teachers? Well, you know, I think that it's a, it's a huge budget. Um, it's um, just in, in general funds alone, it's what, um, $192 million. Um, I think they can find those cuts. Um, and, and, I, and I've spoken to interim superintendent, um, Dr. Mayo, and they have found uh, cuts without closing schools uh, for this year. And so my, my, my guess is that next year will be a little bit more difficult. And uh, I know that we're going to be looking at some things other than uh, closing schools. But, but that's not to say that that is off of the table. And I've told you on the show, I felt that Carol Burks, the new superintendent, is coming in where it's going to become obvious that you need to close Creed and some other schools. And I could be wrong. That's why I'm a reporter. I'm not in government. <laughs> And that if they had done that for her, instead of backing down when a few people legitimately spoke up about it last year, that she would have had an easier time coming in. But then again, she's getting paid a lot of money, so she wanted the job. Well, and I, and I think that one of the things that she wants to do is to pull together a transition team and to have them take a look at the overall district, how it's operated, and some of the uh, assumptions that um, we have made so that she, she and that team can come together with recommendations to um, to make the district, I would uh, imagine, conform to what we think the revenue is going to be and the opportunities to fund the uh, the district will be. Um, we're hearing I, now that you know, in the next month or two, this because the the general assembly gave the governor the ability to make cuts without their approval. And we're hearing that priority schools, and we're a big winner in priority school funding, is going to get cut by a million or two, wow. as is inter-district magnet. So in light of all of these cuts, I think that we're going to have to take a, a, another look at how we, how we do things. I wonder whether we can, you know, we got money up front to build magnet schools, and the deal is that down the road, we eat some of the costs for having suburbanites come to these schools. I wonder, given that the city is reneging on it's past commitments to magnet funding and school funding, whether we'd be in our rights to say, okay, all bets are off. We're not going to pay for any transportation for kids to come in the suburbs. We're going to keep more slots for city students. We're going to save some of that money. Do we have that position to play hardball? You know, I think that we would have to play it up at the uh, general assembly. And I wonder whether the teachers union is, I ever ask the teachers union, you know, here's the money we're going to have. So we're going to have to cut money. We'd rather not cut teachers. Can you give us a proposal for what you would do? I think that they've asked, then maybe not the teachers, but the... Or administrators union. Or. They've asked uh, the principals and, and the leaders of the buildings to come up. Uh, actually, Dr. Mayo did the same thing that I did. He says, look, we've got to get to this figure. What can you cut? Well, this is such an interesting process. I mean, a lot's at stake, but it really is an interesting yeah. process yeah. for all of us who care about the city. There was one last part of the budget that I found very interesting that I know absolutely nothing about. I was wondering if I could ask you about. So you said you want to expand the city's health clinic. I didn't right. know the city had a health clinic. Oh, I think it's primary care. Yeah. You know, you're somewhat I know. The truth is what I don't know is the majority of what you do. And what is that clinic? Why do you expand it under this budget? And you talked about in three years it'll pay for itself so that we're somewhat investing in not only meeting a need in our community, but in a way that is one of those long-term decisions that can end up paying for itself. What exactly is the deal? 
So what we would like to do, as you see springing up all over, but not so much in our uh, urban areas, and you don't see them that much here, but you see them, you know, in the entering suburbs, and in the suburbs you see a lot of these urgent care facilities. Yeah, New Haven opens them, right? Like on the shoreline? Yeah, and, yeah. yep. And so uh, what the health department wants to do is to open an urgent care center in its uh, by expanding its current clinic. What is its current clinic? Its current clinic is a clinic that does uh, immunizations and does um, STDs. Um, Sexually transmitted diseases. Right. And they, I think they work with tuberculosis and that sort of thing. And that's so at that, Meadow Street? It's at Meadow Street. 54 you know, Meadow. Yeah. On the, I think it's actually on the first floor mm-hmm. as you go inside to your right. So the idea is that people who otherwise would go to the emergency room would be able to come at more hours of the day mm-hmm. to get urgent care. You just broke your leg. You just have pneumonia or something. You go there instead. Right. Instead of going to the more expensive uh, ED that... The emergency uh, department at Yale New Haven. Now, that's better right. for the taxpayer statewide. Is it better for the city taxpayer? Not that it should matter, but I mean, it's not the most efficient way to well, do urgent care, obviously. Well, it's it's better because you have access to urgent care, Um in the community, it's better for the, what happens a lot of times with people, even the people who are our employees, if, if you go to the emergency room and it's really not a true emergency, they slap, I believe it's $75 uh, visit charge on you. It would be much less with this, it would be like a regular visit. And um, the health department could charge the insurance companies, including. And is the reason it, it doesn't pay for itself for three years, A, just it takes time for people to find out about it and the and the demand to build, and B, it, there's a time lag in when you get reimbursed? There is a time lag for when you get in reimbursed. You've got, people have got to learn about it. But we also have to buy equipment and that sort of thing, and that's uh, why there's a startup cost. So even though you're facing these tough uh, fiscal decisions about tax cuts and service cuts, you are looking to invest in the future in a way that both strengthens this budget and provides services in a new healthcare landscape. And, you know, it's going to be right uh, behind the um, police department. Our employees, if they get sick during the day and they need to, to, to get into an urgent place, they can... Is this just for city employees or the whole public? It's for everybody, but right. our employees can use it too. Excellent. Okay. And you're listening to Mayor Monday and WNHH 103.5 FM, live streamed at newhavenindependent.org. If you have a question like Tom or Bob... You can go to our Facebook Live page, the New Haven Independent Facebook page. I'm, not, I'm sorry, the Facebook page. And there you'll see a Facebook Live video of this show if you're not watching it there already. And you can uh, pop your question on too. So, Mayor Harp, we've been talking about the legislature. And um, you just came out with a new book, booklet, hot off the presses, scoop here, about your legislative agenda right. for 2018. You had to be more focused this year because um, it's a short session legislature. Not as much gets passed. And your number one and two... Um, Priorities I see in here are municipal funding. We talked about that. Pilot funding, the reimbursement we get for taxes and property has dropped from 77 to 40%. And uh, you want to reestablish that. And education aid has dropped and you want to build that up. So we've talked about that. But also in this booklet, you still have some other priorities that I find very interesting. One of them, and there's an article by Markeisha Ricks about it in the New Haven Independent this morning. Um, in 2016, we got a new building code in the state. And under the new building code, building officials could no longer charge fines against owners who let their property rot, like Church Street South, like 66 Norton Street, the apartment building two weeks ago that your team did a fantastic job working together 
Louisville City Initiative, the building official, the health department, helping families living in a dangerous building go in not ideal situations for the weekend when they had to go in motels so the place wouldn't collapse on them, but helping them swiftly with the help of the owner get new build, get new places to live, get money so they can buy groceries and and also protect. But you no longer have the help of that fine that you can levy on them. So you're trying to change the state law to put that fine back in. Do you know why they took it out? You know, we think it's what they call a Scribner's error. Oh. We think they didn't intend to take it out, and um, they just didn't realize that it had been done. And by the time we we figured it out, and we, we tried to get it in last year, but it was a little late in the session. So we don't think that's going to be a problem this year, but we, we I don't think that it was ever their intention. It was just the way that... Um, the bill was written. I, I don't think anybody recognized that they lost the ability to find. But, you know, in the in this change you're seeking, you say cities with a population over 50,000. And we got a comment from someone in a town with like, I think, 20,000 saying, well, what about us? Why do you want it just for the bigger cities? Well, because uh, we, we think the bigger cities need it. There are more buildings that have to be inspected. More, more low-income you know, housing, honestly, rental I housing. think any, but any city, any town should be able to have it as well. So if they want to join with us, That'll mean that we'll all be successful. Right? Now, in reading your new bestseller, um, your booklet, Legislative <laughs> Agenda 2018, I'm noticing something else we've talked about on this show, which is the um, drug overdoses, the opioid crisis. And part of what you're talking about here is to have non-fatal drug o- overdoses reported to the State Department of Health and have this information from emergency rooms and first responders. The second part is allowing addiction specialists who are licensed to prescribe methadone dispense methadone from the medical offices, meaning not everybody has to take buses from all over the state to go to the app clinic and then outside, some of them, a few of them buying drugs right on the street and shooting and knifing each other, mm-hmm. that you could have doctors administering methadone. Do you feel, is this a direct response to that situation, this request? I, I think it really is. I think what it's, you know, the addiction specialists, and these are people that have their medical degree and oftentimes are other types of specialists too, have gone on to get a specialty in addiction can't really practice with methadone. And I think that uh, they ought to be. And I think that will help take some of the pressure off some of these clinics that we have around the state. All right. And then uh, got urban traffic reform <laughs> dealing with how millennials and retiring populations moving back in the city and walking around biking. And you've gotten some state laws changed actually. You're, you're, um, your traffic director, Doug Houseley, actually organized a bike ride to Hartford mm-hmm. to successfully push for a change in allowing us to do separated bike lanes. And I believe it was a woman in her 70s who beat everybody else in biking all the way up there. Wow. That, was, that was our fun story that year. <laughs> so this year what you're looking at is you want one-way to one-way intersections where you're driving down the street on one-way street, you're turning onto one-way street to allow people to take a legal left turn on red. Right. Right now you can make a right on red, but when it's a left, one-way to a one-way, assuming that you, Turning left is the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you want it to be automatically legal. Why does it need to be automatically legal rather than you just putting a bunch of signs up? Well, I, I, because people, what we've found is that it's legal in 37 states and people do it anyway. And so it, it, we may as well do it. And then if it's not legal to do it, have a sign that says it's not legal. So in other words, make the exception be when it's not legal. Right. Now, how is this going to help you? Is it has to be safe traffic rules where everybody knows the rules and we're adapting? And I think it'll help move traffic uh, a little faster. That's what we've been told by, by uh, uh, you know, Doug Hosley. So you're even looking out for the drivers. Yes, we are. So we're not a bikest state. Not where everybody. (laughs) 
I love the word bikist. Our commenters coined that phrase. Oh, they do. The okay, radical so. bikists who are taking over the city. <laughs> well, I think that it, it does. It, it just helps to move traffic. And, um, and I think it makes things more safely. We are an international city. And uh, we have a lot of people coming in from all of these other states that maybe don't know that it's illegal to do. And so, um, and it works in other states. It hasn't caused confusion. So we've, we are going to try it here. We'd love to have it. You also want to um, improve enforcement of parking violations. You want to allow, right now, if you want to re-register the Department of Vehicles, you can't have five delinquent tickets. Right. Want to get your, was it for car registration or your license? Uh, car. Okay. So you want to change that to two delinquent tickets, and that's Massachusetts policy. Are you having a problem with people piling up parking tickets? Yes. I think we have a backlog of about $7 million. Whoa. <laughs> of uncollected parking tickets? Yep. Whoa. All right. So we, we're trying to clear that up. It'll help with our finances. <laughs> we're looking for money. Everything comes back to money. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, you also want to have legislation defining electric bicycles. Have you, you've written one of those, haven't you? Yes, I have. Oh, they're so much fun. And you, they're not currently defined or regulated. 27 other states have them. Why do we want to have that? Is it because we want to see them as not a car and not a regular pedal bike? Right. I think it's confusing uh, for people. And even the police, what do we do with these things? We don't have a real way of of defining them, and this will help us do that and and make it clear um, that they have to abide by a certain laws. And then um, you have a green car tax credit, and I, I really want to have a fun debate with you on this one. So what you want to do is allow cities and towns to give an assessment discount for electric or green energy vehicles, which I imagine are hybrid or electric cars, mm-hmm. right? And you want to do this, I assume, to assume to improve the environment as part of your overall sure. carbon-free goal, and that you feel if you could have lower taxes, that'd be incentive to buy these cars. Right. Um, years ago, the Deaf Administration put in a policy that said if you have a hybrid, you could park free downtown. Mm-hmm. I have a hybrid, and I love being able to park free, even though I rarely drive it. My wife usually has a car, and um, I always felt on policy grounds it was a bad reason. I used to always say to Rob Smuts, who was the official who pushed it, "Why should I get a parking discount now?" Often people of hybrids tend to be people who maybe don't need the parking discount as much. And then I don't believe it's going to convince a single person to buy a green vehicle. So I was going around saying that. And one day I was talking to this guy, Bruce Altman, who's an actor, lives in town. I said, you know, people like us shouldn't get this because we're going to buy those anyway. And he said to me, I actually bought my hybrid because I could park free downtown. And I didn't stop to do the math to say, was it worth the extra $1,000? Am I going to do $1,000 on free parking? <laughs> So am I wrong about that? That even though in theory it seems unneeded, that it actually will it will actually influence people. Do I think they people, care that much? I think people will think about it, and uh, especially people that um, I, I, I who are, are concerned somewhat, but maybe they're not um, maybe they're not real zealots, but they're concerned about the environment. I think that uh, the fact that we give this little. Um, um, Every little credit. incentive. So everything yeah. to give people a reason, because people do want to lower their carbon footprint. In New Haven, we tend to believe climate change is real. Yeah. And we want to do something about it when the federal government's not. Exactly. And so it's just one more thing to say that our city recognizes that this carbon is an issue and that we're doing what we can to try to help people uh, contribute to um, less of a percentage of uh, carbon in our city. Well, as we know, in, in this shorter 
session, legislative session, you can't get as much passes in another mm-hmm. year. And given that there continue to be huge deficits that keep popping up when revenues are lower than expected, you're not going to get a lot. So you guys are prioritizing. And in this um, legislative, because I do read your legislative agenda every year, and this year you picked two, which seems the reasonable number of like bond projects you're really mm-hmm. pushing hardest for. One of them is the $3.5 million in bond funding to rebuild the field at Wilbercross Athletic Facility, the right. whole facility. They're, they're deteriorated with bad drainage and erosion. The field is sinking, which you, I guess you have to change how you throw passes in football if you're sinking. And the track's been unusable. And now we did spend a lot of money from the state making Hill House nice. You're trying to do that. And you're also finally trying to get the Barbell Club open. That's uh, Trowbridge Square, that right. great many neighborhood that's in the hill across from Church Street South that you don't find unless you go there, but it's like a mini New Haven around a green. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, that, and, and that used to have a great youth center before we started closing all our youth centers in right. town. Hill Cooperative Youth Services, also known as the Barbell Club. We spent a bummy more there for decades. Yep. The kids were just, he was like a magic magnet with the kids. Yes. And you're trying to open that place and you need $2.5 million in state bond. We haven't been getting that for years. We haven't, and that one's been on the list. I, we spoke to the delegation today. I met with um, Representative Candelaria. He's this is a, his biggie. Yeah, he's a big supporter of that, and uh, Representative Walker, uh, Representative Lamar, and um, we are, are are really, oh, and Representative Porter was there. She was the first one there. Thank you, Representative Porter. Um, but w- these two things are really important. You know, I believe that Hill House is... Um, um, track and football field is is the best one in the state, um, and and Cross deserves the same. I remember the day that President Rowland, I mean Governor Rowland, before he went to jail, he was still the mm-hmm. governor and he's running for a third term, which he always regrets now. <laughs> and he um, came to town and got a big band. The whole band was there in a big crowd, and the mayor at the time got everyone out there to thank him because he was getting all this money to rebuild the field. And that same week. The Democratic candidate, who the Democrats in New Haven were allegedly supporting, Bill Curry, they had an event for him at the Connie School Auditorium with these dim lights and about 20 people there falling asleep. <laughs> and it was so clear to the savviest members, I won't mention who it is, but you can imagine who who pointed that out to me. It was always hip <laughs> to that kind of thing in the legislature saying that clearly was the deal. Like we didn't have to come out, the mayor didn't have to come out and endorse Roland and we, he wasn't going to close traffic the way they do in New Jersey. Uh-huh. But we gave him the big band salute while our supposed candidate had three people falling asleep in a dark <laughs> auditorium. So we got our field and uh, Governor Roland went to jail. You're listening to <laughs> Mayor Monday WHH 103.5 FM live stream to New Haven Penn.org. It's Mayor Monday. We've been talking about the budget, but there are other things going on besides the budget. Like, what used to be called sweeps of neighborhood, and I fell down the job last week. I apologize. I never wrote the article asking our readers to come up with a new name for sweeps. Oh, yeah. But we still got time. So you went through New Hallville with all your departments. Basically, the team of departments working together, 66 Norton last week, they went through New Hallville, identify a lot of problems with rundown buildings, dark corners where there's crime, overgrown streetlights, overgrown foliage by streetlights, not overgrown streetlights, um, and getting people to meet the part of government they need to interact with, getting different parts of government, having a new way electronically to instantly share information. And uh, so you're going to do your next one in Fairhaven. Have you come up with a date for that yet? Uh, I, I think we are going to, it's going to be, I think we haven't really come up with the date, but I believe it'll be around the 14th and 15th, but I'm not really. Do you have I, a new I'll let you know yet? for sure. Um, you said sweeps, people felt it sounded too much like drug sweeps and like crime. Yeah, we, we're, we're, we're toying with a name. 
So, so I, I want to hear from it. your audience. Yeah, I don't okay. want to say uh, <laughs> say what it is because if you come up with something better, I'm going to ask my team to consider it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, you know what else we're doing? We're doing uh, this. Look, I feel really very strongly about Tweed. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that next. Yeah, you are okay. Good. No, no, go ahead. No, you beat me to it. No. Tweed. Tweed. What's up with Tweed? Uh, you know, we really want to take the uh, runway. Um, uh, number out of the general statutes. We don't believe that it it should be. What's in the there. runway number? How long the runway can be? Yeah, how long the the runway can be? I think it's around fifty six hundred. Uh, it really needs to be a thousand square feet longer, and it will still be within the footprint of the, or within the fence uh, instead of calling it the footprint of Tweed. And um, we've been working so hard to try to make sure that people who complain about sound, we've uh, done about 40 houses. We're going to do all 187 um, houses that are in the um, overall um, sound impacted area around the airport. They get $40,000 worth of, of soundproofing, air conditioning, and other things to um, almost make it impossible to hear anything outside. I went into one of those houses that was recently done, and it's incredible. So basically, you can move next to an airport knowing there are planes there and still not hear the planes. Absolutely. And so we've been doing that. We're gonna and the reason you want the longer airport is that you, longer runways that you do believe that will get more jet service besides just a few flights a day to Philly. Right. If we, um, if we do that. I'd love to be able to fly out of Tweed. I hate that last leg going to Bradley. And, and I won't consider New York because that's like taking another flight all day. And you know, when you go to Bradley, um, you, you have to, it's usually... Not a non-stop wherever right. you're going, so right. that you know if we had New Haven, um, even more flights to um, to more Philadelphia, hubs. to more hubs, to Chicago, to we want to go to to uh, Washington D.C., Reagan. We want to go to Florida. Uh, we only want to go to those three places, and um, we've done everything that we can to try to accommodate the neighborhood. Um, I know there's some that want to have the taxes reduced, but We've put over three, we'll be putting $3 million into that neighborhood uh, and $40,000 of improvement to those houses. That That's real money you mean for to each house. Yeah, yeah, that we are, are doing, yes. So you want it raised from how many feet is it now? Uh, it's around 5,600, a little over 5,600. We want to go to 6,600. And that you feel that can make the difference. So the way that would do is yeah. you'd, you'd need the state, it's now a state statute that it'd be 5,600 and you want that removed. Right. Now, there's a new commission of business people um, that called for fiscal stability that the state said, look, every year we're scrambling in crisis, come up with ideas how we can fix our, our, uh, our finances better long term for the legislature bipartisan. You testified before it, your team testified before it. And one of their ideas was Tweed. Yes. Now, what did they say exactly? They said that, uh, that they, this, this specifically, they said help develop the, or did they, were they talking about connections to it, transportation connections you've been talking about in the past? Well, I think that one of the things that they're talking about, I think there are many who believe that Alexion's sales force left because they couldn't get out of here quickly. Really? Do you think that's true? Um, well, it, it, it works as a... As <laughs> oh, that's separate. True, that's, true. A, that's separate from the decision of the executives to leave because a new company bought right, it. Right, right. And they left other staff here. I, I think that we have, I have heard, uh, I, right now I'm the, the president of the African American Mayors Association a national association of African-American mayors. And we had a leadership summit here. It was very hard to get people in here. 
And I've heard from other people that have uh, meetings that require people to come in from out of state that it's tough to get in here. And I would imagine for um, many of the companies that have to get people out and around the world that it would be so much easier if they could leave from Tweed. Yeah, I, you know, I don't did it. Was that in your? Um, I don't think I see it in your legislative no, but we, agenda. But it, but we we were able to get a bill raised. Okay, um, and so we'll see what happens with that. All right, and this in the few, last few minutes of Mayor Monday. You're also oh, um, there's a you know I think a lot of what we as journalists are going to be covering in f- coming weeks is what's getting cut: state budget, city budget. Uh, because of the fiscal situation we're in, the state has cut uh, suspended money for the skills of socialization program, prison reentry. Do you know what that's all about? No, but I think that what happens is that all, th- I'm sure they went through something very similar to to uh, the city, and they've asked departments to make cuts. There were what they call um, uh, unallocated lapses. Those are cuts that are not allocated in the budget that was passed in October, and they have to come up with cuts that the legislature gives the administration the ability to make those cuts. And so I'm sure that... I mean, the money hadn't been drawn down. It hadn't been drawn down necessarily. And and sometimes it it even has been. Uh, But the department has a responsibility to come up with a certain number of cuts. And um, that is um, what we're seeing happening. Even on priority schools, which is, is as I said before, we gotten a, a large amount of that and interdistrict magnets we're we're still um providing those services and and i was told that we may be getting cuts as late as may in those line items wow. for things that we've already spent but that's because those unallocated lapses were built into that budget okay um, you know, getting back to the tax issue, you know, there's an interesting post you have after decades of the old clock factory sitting vacant in, in, on Hamilton Street. We say it was the square, but it's really side where people don't live. It's the industrial side that was created when I-91 was built and the administration decided half will square be residential, half will be industrial. That clock factory, um, the city's been trying for 30 years to get someone to fix it up. And we've gotten state money to clean it up. And you found a developer who specializes in historic buildings and making them residential. They want to make it artist housing. And you want to give them a 15-year tax break so that it'll be affordable artist housing, meaning lower-income people and low to moderate. There's been a big debate in the independence. Some people say that thing wasn't going to get fixed otherwise. We need it built up, and artist housing is a great way to build up a neighborhood. It includes lots of people like teachers. Other people say we can't afford to give a 15-year tax break because we need that tax revenue now. And why artists rather than other low-income people? And other people shoot back saying this is a special kind of living place where it's not going to be like this desirable neighbor you move into, we're going to have people who have these funky industrial spaces, and that's what artists use. It's worked well on a lower scale in, in um, Westville, and it will help our economy, and otherwise would not get built with this kind of project. Where are you standing in that in light of the new budget? Well, you know, I'm, I'm supportive of it, and I, and I think that one of the things that I hear every day, and it really surprises me, because we have probably, in terms of penetration, one of the highest levels of affordable housing for an urban area. Yeah, what is it? In the state, uh, I don't know the, the amount, but I think at one time when when uh, we were looking at this, um, nationally, uh, proportionately for our size, we were number three. I mean, we we have a huge amount of it, and so, but it's not enough because the other towns are not taking it. And as a matter of fact, there was a a 
a, a bill in the state that makes it it um, right last the Democrat renegade Democrats made it harder to get affordable housing built in places like Milford and yeah Bradford. exactly so um, and you're getting pushed in two directions which you should be because you're the mayor some people say do more to get affordable housing and other people say keep my taxes down and when you're building up the tax base I think what you've done is you get new market rate housing that doesn't displace affordable housing but you get the developer to include some affordable housing in it we've seen that in every project pretty much but the novella and and uh which was before you i believe and um but either any case the hill project the 360 state the one and um that you're doing on munson street there's always some affordable housing built in but it does cost some money it does because developers we no longer have to bribe them with tax breaks to build market rate housing which is a wonderful change and they can build up our tax base. But if the affordable housing for their numbers to work, we need to go find grant money or state or federal money to or long-income taxing credits. But that means if we're going to give a tax abatement, for instance, renew the nine square, which is the model of having mixed income housing and have everyone be part of it, that, that often includes tax abatements. So that's right. a tough question. It's a tough question. But the other thing that we've noticed for artist communities when they come into a neighborhood like that neighborhood, others will come in and build up around it because it suddenly becomes the cool, funky part of town. And so uh, I think just having them there, they're going to be a magnet for other kinds of development that won't have And then the finances. artists always complain, well, we did the work for you, you push us out. But I always argue that's the deal. Yeah, You get this yeah, cheap exactly. space, you make it funky, the city benefits, and then you move to some other place to make it funky. My heart does not bleed. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm with you on that one. <laughs> um, are you with me in welcoming Elisa Bowen's Mark Mercado, previously known just as Lisa Bowen until last year's, our Hi. great salsa queen in New Haven and host WNHH, first African American woman owned beer company in the state. Probably in the United States. Yeah, I think it might be Rhythm Lager, (laughs) but she never quits. She does so much. She's such an entrepreneur. I'm so proud of her. Rhythm Lager. (laughs) Can we toast to... Here, here. All right, along. We wish you great (laughs) luck with your new beer company. And um, next week, let's talk about China. Oh, yeah, let's talk about it. You're going to China. Yeah, are you coming with us? Oh, you know, I'm not good about travel. (laughs) 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 I'm a pain. If you're going to North Haven, or if you get me a tour of Yale, the new... The new buildings. I'll go with you in that. <laughs> okay. But we're hoping to get day-to-day reports okay, from good. Andy Wolf, your traffic person. Okay. And I'm actually very interested in this trip to China because it's really about how we build citizen-to-citizen and city-city diplomacy under the radar of global of global conflict. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you for homework. To All be right. ready to come back next week and tell me about your upcoming trip. Okay, we'll do that. All right, and I got a, a listener wrote in to say. Rather than call them sweeps of neighborhoods, he mm-hmm. already heard them calling them canvases. That's an interesting one. Is that the word they came up with? You're not telling. No, it wasn't, but, you know, oh. but uh, interesting. All okay. right. Two mysteries for next week. Okay. Shang said China and the new word for sweeps. All right. Hey, everybody. Th- thank you so much, Mayor Hart, for coming in. Thank you. It's always a great way to start our week. All right. And um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Hey, thanks to Great Way Community College and Bertrand Moses, B.C. for providing financial support today's program thanks to bob and tom people ask great questions on this show we're going to take it out with the afro-semitic experience performing i wish i knew how it feel to be free from the group cd a plea for peace now we know what it's like to be free we just got to remember to book our flight book your flight with us all day and all night long here at wnhh new haven's home for community radio